Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning into SST on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now on YouTube. Joining me today, the designated hitters, both of them, because there's one in the National League, one in the American League, so we need two. And we got them right here, live, ready to talk baseball, perhaps with some frustration in their voices. First and foremost, Alec Argento. What's up, brother? So, uh, And Andrew Kalanya. Also here, Andrew Suarez Barkley. What's good, brother? How's it going? Uh, we're doing good, I think. I don't know if you guys are doing that good. You guys were pretty tame there in the intro, I feel like. For well, I've been using us for, I don't know, three years now or something like that. But Drew didn't come hot with his uh, with his like take of the day or something like that. I didn't get I didn't get the, the wool pulled over my head. <laughs> see, yeah. I got to see sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. That's why I got to keep I keep you on your toes either way. You got to give the fans what they want, my man. Yeah. Uh, With that being said, is there anything that we're not going to talk about that you want to bring up randomly? Why we're here? Why we have this chance? Oh man, the Batman was fantastic. Okay. Uh, such a we're, we're not going to go off the rails, uh, but uh, man, Batman was, was. I thought we were here to talk about Susie returning to the Bachelor after uh, after having <laughs> left the, the episode. Oh, that was uh, you saw that twist coming from a mile away. Sometimes <laughs> I think like the Bachelor is uh, very much staged. staged? No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe it. I don't want that. I don't want that thought in my head. Um, but the Batman I haven't seen. Neither have I seen the bachelor. What I have seen is the moves of the New York Yankees and the New York Mets over the past couple of days and the announcement that baseball is back. So that's really exciting. What followed for Mets fans was pretty exciting. What followed for Yankee fans hasn't been quite exciting. So what we're going to do here on today's episode of Subway Sports Talk is hit on some of the CBA stuff, just to get it out of the way, just kind of put a put a bow on that. We don't need to bore you with all those details, but we're going to jump into the landscape of New York baseball because Yankee fans are irate right now, and they are curious and waiting. And when I say Yankee fans, I mean specifically Alec and Andrew are irate right now. If you are following, I'm sorry, if you are not following Andrew Kalanya, a.k.a. underscore Swarles Barkley on Twitter, you're not seeing the anger that you need on your timeline based at the Yankees. So we'll get to the Yankee stuff. We'll also get to the Mets stuff as there's once again in this world, the narrative of the Mets, like taking this step up towards a uh, ownership of New York that I almost, I, I even hate bringing it up, but perhaps there's some validity to it. Now I see smirks on the faces of some guy in the top right corner over here. So we'll get to that. But first let's hear a couple words from our friends over at DraftKings. College Hoops fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. You don't need to hit the spread. You don't need to pick an underdog. Just pick any team to win. They do so. $200 in free bets. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? Who will hit the most three-pointers? Track your results. See the wins. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPM. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Andrew, let's go to you first. In regards to the CBA, it finally happened, right? Like something happened. All along, you're worried and you're thinking about what's going to happen with this, what's going to happen with the tax and the rules and the shifts and the blah, blah, blah. Once it's settled, did you even care about the details or were you just happy that it was settled? I was just, I, I think the number one thing I was just happy about was that they don't, they didn't settle on the 14 team playoff pool because at, at that point, you know, even, even 12 teams is, is too much in my opinion. I would have preferred that they kept it the same, but 14, as long as the 14 teams didn't get in, because then at that point you would have multiple 500 or worse teams getting into the playoffs every single year. And then that just ruins the, the regular season. And like, it wasn't even really about like the players getting a win. It's just like the players at the end of the day, they were fighting for a, a version of baseball that I thought as a fan was, is the most compelling. Like it doesn't matter how much they got a raise for, or, um, you know, and they were fighting for a higher, you know, luxury tax, which I think is great as a Yankees fan. Cause it benefits me and, you know, hopefully now that uh, the Yankees went out and spent that precious resource on 36 year old Josh Donaldson and, you know, they can continue to spend, um, you know, and so that's those are really the main things that I cared about in, in terms of the CBA. And I think it's funny that they, you know, the owners were able to sneak in because the you know, majority of the of the owners, they're all of the lower revenue teams and they basically all hate Steve Cohen because they knew he was going to spend and spend and spend. Um, so they added in that extra tier of the luxury tax. Now that uh, if you exceed the tax by, you know, over $60 million that you, every dollar you go over, you get taxed like 110% or something like that. So they called it the Steve Cohen tax. Um, so he, he's really going to be the only person that's going to even come close to it. So I don't, I don't expect the Yankees to keep spending, but again, overall, I, I think it's just that the, the playoffs remains basically unchanged, um, uh, you know, RIP to the one game, uh, wild card, which, you know, was fun to watch, but awful for if your team was actually involved in it. So uh, overall, you know, it's I'm happy just baseball's here. And, uh, you know, actually, I don't know about that. After after I kind of want to go back, I kind of want to go back to the lockout now. We'll if, get into if, that. I believe Steve Cohen yeah. said that it's better than having a bridge named after you. Because yeah. basically the tax being named after Steve Cohen is basically just saying, wow, this guy is so rich and powerful that we have to stop him. That's basically what that tax is, and it's probably not going to stop him. At least he's making it seem like that. We'll see what happens you know, when the rubber hits the road. Uh, Alec, real quick to wrap it up, because we got to get into the specificities of these two New York baseball teams. CBA, it's done for now. There's, I think there's a, something about the international draft they have to decide on later down the road. Does it matter? I don't know. May, it may not. Alec, thoughts, CBA, baseball back. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. I'm, I'm happy it's back. I, I I think that both sides looked horrible throughout this entire thing. I, I couldn't care less about the extra like forty thousand dollars they get in like you know for minimum the uh, minimum wage or whatever they get in the in in the league now. I'm just happy it's back to a degree. But I agree with with Drew. I, I don't really want to watch the product that my team is going to put out there. But mm. uh, yeah, I, I I don't want to pretend I have a take on the CBA because I just don't care. <laughs> that's very fair and i you know i'm similar in that regard you know 
the shift thing is not happening this season. So we can kind of kick that down the road. The DH thing is happening, but we've mm-hmm. kind of known that for a while. That feels pretty good. Uh, I don't think there's much pushback on that anymore. I think we should mm-hmm. take some credit for that right here on this very podcast. We've been banging Absolutely. that drum Absolutely. for years and years. So shout out to the DH in the National League. And shout out to not seeing much bunting anymore in, in the in the pro baseball world. Maybe we will. Who the hell knows? Uh, bases is that happening this year, Drew? No, it's next year. Okay, so bases we'll we'll pick that down the road too. And that brings us now to talk about actual baseball right here, right now. Subway Sports Talk, Pete County, Alec Argento, Andrew Kalanya, and now's the time. So let's 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 be straight up right now. The Mets have juice at the moment, and they've been here before. They've had this type of energy around them before. Feels a little bit different because there's a backing behind these signings and there seems to be a true end goal behind these signings and this spending and whatever in trades. Alec is already so pissed at this. You don't even know where I'm going with it yet. No, Dibs on responding first to whatever the the prompt is. That's fine. (laughs) However. Go for it, bud. However, I'm not ready to just hand over my my heart to expect a team that's going to win 95 games this year. It doesn't. It's never been that simple for the Mets. It doesn't feel like it's going to be that simple for a multitude of reasons. It's not just the Mets. It's the NL East not being a bad division and just things happening for the Mets over history that makes it feel shitty. The Yankees, on the other hand, feel like the Mets right now. And and we've had this conversation before. I even hate saying the words out loud. The Yankees feel like they haven't gotten better. They're not spending. Everyone hates Cashman. Everyone hates Steinbrenner. You guys seem to be kind of in that same camp, but Alec, now seeing both these two teams together in New York City and people acting a certain way about them, how are you feeling uh, a couple weeks out of the season? Yeah, I'm pissed, but it's not like isolated because I'm comparing us to the Mets. Like, yes, of course I want to spend money, but what the Mets did, like, I mean, it, it, they they address things that like it's not like I, I I felt we needed to go get Chris Bassett or something like that. The pitching was not our problem, whatever the case is. So ultimately the Mets will always be the Mets until proven otherwise. The Mets have never been like, there's this, this like false narrative out there that the Mets don't spend money. The Mets are always like top five in spending every year, regardless. It doesn't matter. Things happen and the Mets will be the Mets until proven otherwise they can go sign their Francisco Lindors and then he will underachieve and then he will become an albatross of a contract and they can go sign whoever they, Max Scherzer, like, I I mean, yes, he's incredible, but Max Scherzer is also like a million years old. So like, you don't know what you're going to get out of him. And then Jacob deGrom is also hurt all the time. So like as incredible as Jacob deGrom is, you only get him for X amount of time when he's on the field. So I'm not really worried about that. When it comes to the Yankees in particular, I am, absolutely distraught because this entire offseason was a complete F you to the, to the fan base, starting with re-signing Aaron Boone, who nobody wanted on the, uh, to, to manage. In 2017, nobody wanted him to be the manager of the Yankees. So, the, you know, we, we lived with it. He had one good year, and then through then, he has d- done nothing. The, t- the entire team has regressed to the point where we had to trade assets that we had at an incredibly low value in, in Gary and, uh, uh, and, and Gio. I'm not upset that we traded Gary or Gio. I think that Gary needed a change of scenery. He very well could be very good in Minnesota. He always was when he played uh, against them in Minnesota, but he needed to go. I, I know Drew is going to disagree with me a ton here, but Gary sucks. I, I've 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 been def- I used to defend him the past two three years of him. He's been dog crap. So I'm not 
upset that he's gone. What I then am upset is that you went and got Josh Donaldson, who just seems like a Kevin Euclid 2.0 to me, where Kevin Euclid came here when he was also like 37, 38, something like that. And uh, fans didn't support him. And then he got hurt. And then it was nothing. And, and nobody likes Josh Donaldson, including Garrett Cole, who famously hates Josh Donaldson. So now you have this, you have two people who do not like each other and are very vocal uh, in, in, uh, in how they present themselves. So you have this entire like dynamic in the clubhouse right now that's not going to be fun to be around. And I get that Brian Cashman made a point of saying that we needed an edge. And I do agree with that to an extent. But like Josh Donaldson and his $50 million owed is not what gets you to win a World Series. I don't think that Kiner Falefa and, and Donaldson in a vacuum are worse than Gio and Gary, but it did not address any needs that we that we had uh, and, uh, for the team. We have now a gaping hole at catcher. You have still no shortstop. If you're going to say Kiner Falefa is your shortstop, I think you have like 1.2 war or something like that. It's fine. It's not great he's not a difference maker and you still have Luke Voigt at first base you didn't address there's people out there to get you ha- you can go get Freddie Freeman if you don't want to spend the draft capital uh, the prospect capital which I understand that they didn't want to do because the, the the haul that Atlanta gave up was a lot but you can go get a Freddie Freeman but instead we're going to settle with an Anthony Rizzo, Rizzo who is fine he's not bad he just doesn't make the team any better than Luke Voigt does like marginally better with his defense of course but like it doesn't propel the team to winning division by getting him. You get a Freddie Freeman, he's a difference maker. You get a Matt Olson, he's a difference maker. You get a Carlos Correa or a Trevor Story, maybe not Story. I don't know how Story's going to do outside of Coors Field, but mm-hmm. um, you 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 get you get players like that. Those are difference makers, and that's what the Yankees always understood. And I don't really want. I'm 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 sick of blaming Cashman. I'm sick of blaming Boone. At the end of the day. Hal Steinbrenner is an accountant and not a Steinbrenner. And that's what his hamstrung the organization since 09 when they just refused to spend. And the luxury tax being treated as a salary cap when you have the Dodgers and you have the Mets now and the Red Sox to an extent just saying screw you to the luxury tax because that's what it should mean for a team like us. Uh, it's just it's it's incredibly disheartening. I have never felt this way as, as a Yankee fan as I have over the past year, just continuously like getting slapped in the face by the organization. So in summary, I'm pissed off at the Yankees. Good for the Mets. I don't care. The Mets are still the Mets. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it's it's very fitting that that this core um, that started in 2016 and 2017 and Gary Sanchez was a huge part. I, I Watching Gary Sanchez in 2016 was like the most fun I've ever watched, like a player. Uh, it just anytime in my like my baseball life and then he was such a key part of like that 2017 which was the most fun I think I've uh, of, of a Yankee team I've ever watched since like the 09 team and to like progressively just watch this chapter of Yankee baseball become like less enjoyable year after year after year like it's just like this downward slope that's just like has now been culminated where you know, they haven't got out and got that guy or spent or, or gone over. They, you know, they didn't go over the luxury tax last year. And the way you spend the money now is to get the declining years on 36 year old and 37 year old Josh Donaldson. Like, how does that make any sense? Like, and granted, I will say Freddie Freeman's still out there. Um, Anthony Rizzo, again, I think he's the plan B. Um or the plan C, basically. I think Freddie Freeman plan, is plan A. Matt Olson was plan B. Uh, Anthony Rizzo was plan C. 
Um, so he's still out there. So, you know, it could break while we're talking about this podcast and, you know, outlook on the season could change for the Yankees. But it's very disheartening to see that's the that's their big move with at the beginning of the offseason. They had all this potential. They had the money to spend. They had the prospect capital. You know, there was a million scenarios where you could just br- you could just spend money to bring in player to bring in guys that are in their prime and ready to win like and Garrett Cole's only in his prime for so long Giancarlo Stanton's only in his prime for so long Aaron Judge is uh, a free agent after this year who knows if he like you know does does Josh Donaldson now prevent the Yankees from going to resign Aaron Judge it's a real possibility like you said that sounds crazy to to say but is a, it's a absolute real possibility um, with the way Hal Steiner's been operating um, it's just, it's so disappointing again. I, you know, I'll hundred percent agree with Alec that Gary Sanchez absolutely needed to go. Um, and you know, I, I love, I have so much love for, for Gary, him and Clint Frazier leaving in the same off season is breaking my baseball heart, but, um, he absolutely needed to go. He's a change of scenery guy. And clearly Aaron Boone lost confidence in, in him at the end of the season, benching him for clearly an inferior bat in Higashioka. And the problem, you know, and I'm fine with shipping out Gary Sanchez if that's if that's the move. But the replacement can't be a guy who's who hit 200 in AAA and Kyle Higashioka, whose career on base percentage is like 235. So that can't be the replacement for Gary Sanchez. Like I, I, I put I'm the one who posted on the SST like, oh, but that Gary Sanchez meme of, oh, you know, look, look what's going to look like when um, those two guys are hitting a buck 50 in June. You know, when Gary Gary's at least a competent hitter, like he's not a good catcher, but he was a league average hitter, which makes him a top five offensive catcher. And you'll miss that if they don't replace him with a Sean Murphy or a Carson Kelly or somebody like that. And, you know. That might have been the only trading those two guys and not for prospects or anything like that might have been the only time they could cash in on on those ter- two down. You know, they didn't really have that much value. So really, you the best that's probably the best you could do is get Josh Donaldson. But, there's you know, if that's the only move, then it was the the worst case scenario for the offseason for the Yankees. Um, and as far as the Mets go, like that's kind of how you want your team to be constructed to, to them to continue to just go out and address the needs with the resources that they clearly have. And I understand that Steve Cohen has a lot more money than the Steinbrenners do, but it's not like the Steinbrenners are poor. They're, they're playing the same city and they're the number one brand branded, uh, you know, team in the, in the world, not just in the sport of baseball. Everyone knows the Yankees are, it's a global brand. It's Coca-Cola. It's, it's they have more money than they know what to do with. And they're just treating it like they're the Oakland A's or the Tampa Bay Rays and the way they spend their money and just the way the Mets have gone out and like paid that ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Max Scherzer might not be what he is, but it, guess what? He was the best available pitcher and then Mets needed a compliment to Jacob DeGrom. Guess what? They went out and got him because they just spent money. That was it. They gave him, they over, they overpaid to get the guy they wanted. Because they needed that guy. Because again, Jacob Degrom's only in his prime for X amount of years. The they they signed Lindor to that ten year deal. They want to win now while the guys are in their prime. While Pete Alonso's in his in their prime. While all these other guys that they have are you know they're ready to win. So you have to spend and you have to overpay to get Max Scherzer. And guess what? They're a better team on paper right now than the Yankees are, and it's not even close. 
rotation. Yeah. The the only the only positions I would take the on the Yankees over the Mets, I would take Judge over whoever they put in right field. I would take Stanton at DH over Robinson Cano or Pete Alonso at DH, whoever or Dob Smith. And I'd probably take Joey Gallo over um whoever else is in left field for the Mets. But that's it. Every other position, it's either a wash or I would take the the Mets uh you know position right now. Not easy. Easy. And what do they say about these contracts that are longer than like four years in baseball? It's like well, if they make it worthwhile in the first three or four years, you won't care as much about year seven and eight, right? Like that's kind of the old the old thing. Like, oh, if it works out early, you won't hate it late. And that's kind of what the Mets are going with right now. And it's a little bit scary if it doesn't work out that you could end up being in such a crappy place down the road if Lindor is old and can't really, you know, make the plays but, that he used but, to. But guess, but guess what will happen though? The Mets will go out and get somebody else to replace Lindor and just right. have him be a part-time player. That's what the Yankees used to do. If if Johnny Damon wasn't doing so well, they brought in somebody else. Or if there was um, when Gary Sheffield wasn't was in O, uh, I think it was like O five O six when Gary Sheffield was on the decline and they had a hole at first base. They shifted Gary Sheffield over to first base and they went out and got Bobby Abreu. They went out and got somebody, you know, the a, a, a one player or a couple players can't stop you. You can't spend to a certain amount of money and then just stop. That's not how it works. That's I how do, you build success. I do, think, I do think that's a little, it's, it's a bit different now because those players weren't on 10 year deals. Uh, yeah, and, and I get that. You can, you can spell a year or two of Gary Sheffield, but you can't spell six years of Francisco Lindor. You know what I mean? That that's kind of the difference. And, and I think that, in fairness, like just to play devil's advocate here, because I do agree with you to an extent, but John Carlos Stanton, if he, if he did, you know, I know that the opinion has changed now because he's been really productive the past like two years or so, but like if he was continuously hurt and never produced and you knew you had six years left of him, you're kind of screwed, you know? So it, it, it can only work so much and you can't, you can only carry 40 men on the roster. You can only carry 25 men on the roster that are going to play and not, you know, have options. like you, you, it is a bit limiting. Well, look what they did with Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury was productive for like one year, but that stopped the Yankees from going out. And he, they got still got John Carlos Stanton when well, Jacoby Ellsbury was on the team. You know, that's probably like, why they're a little gun shy. But also, Jacoby Ellsbury only had like what a year, a year and a half of actually not playing. We're not rehab. Yeah, two years to like. I think the his his deal was done after twenty twenty. So he was a free agent twenty twenty. Like he has a. The last time he played was like 2017 for the Yankees. I think it was in the, the series with the Astros. And then he literally didn't play for the last three years for the Yankees. Either he was hurt or he was like, or he played like, like 12 games or something like that. Like he completely gave up on the team. Yeah. I just, I don't think that it's exactly that. Fa- no, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I don't want to have a team full of guys on 10 year contracts that are 37, yeah. 38 years old. For it's sure. a lot more palatable if you give like I, as much as I hate it. It's a lot more palatable to, you know, like you need to supplement uh, supplement your team with veterans, right? It just mm. it's how you win in baseball. So like I don't hate in a vacuum. I don't hate the Donaldson signing, for example. It's twenty five million dollars per year, but it's two years. It's an edge guy, like they wanted, and they, they you know he can still be productive to an extent. And in reality, he's probably significantly more productive than G- uh, Gio Rochello is going to be. But you can live with something like that when it's two years as much as the reason again, in a vacuum, because I, I am equally as pissed as every other Yankee fan right now that that was the move that got made, but in a vacuum, it's a lot more palatable to do things like that. Even Scherzer, like Scherzer, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I, I would be happy with that signing too, because what is he on two year deal or something two like year that? Deal. Yeah. 
you can, I don't care. It's the JJ right. Reddick thing, right? It's like you can give. I I would love for the Yankees to do give give them eighty million dollars over two years. I don't care. Give that to everyone that goes right. And then well, you they tried do- they tried to do that with Verlander. They tried to offer him uh, one year twenty five, and then he got two years from the Astros. They didn't want to go two years with Verlander, which I which I got too. You know, it is. It, 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 I don't actually agree with the ten year contract idea in. Mm. Baseball. I actually do think it hamstrings a lot of organizations, and we are looking at it uniquely through a Yankees and Mets perspective. But I, yes. I do think it's a bad thing for baseball. Like I, I really do. I think that it, it, you know, and that's really I think where the small market teams actually do lose out. And it does. It's not a money thing. It's just that they can't constantly flexibility. Play. Yeah, it's, it, they, it's like yeah. making up for your mistakes. Some people can, some people can't. So yeah, it leads me to a question that kind of goes away from the Mets and Yankees specifically, and mm. more you know league wide for a second here. Why is the MLB so against an actual cap, like a salary cap? Why is that something that doesn't seem like a possibility for Major League Baseball? It's the players union. The players union would never allow that. The the MLB Players Association is significantly more powerful than the NFLPA and the NBAPA. And it's compounded by the fact that like the NBAPA gets along well with Adam Silver. The the, uh, the MLB a problem lately for Adam Silver, yeah. Sure, but but it, when, when he's talking, but they can continuously raise it because revenue keeps going up. Baseball, yeah. in that re- regard, it's it's not it's not the same. You can't have a salary cap. I mean, realistically, it, well, the the luxury tax was a compromise. It was the ability yeah. to, to do that, right? And, and it was what the uh, the teams uh, the players agreed to, mm-hmm. but they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into. Apparently, well, there's a, there's a couple of reasons why there's not a cap, Pete. Um, there's also you know teams take in national tv revenue and they also take in the local rsn the 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 yes network and the sny they get that local tv money as well so if they would ever to agree to a cap it would be based on the the, they would have to split the revenues um from all those tv all those tv contracts would have to be all put together they would have to split the revenues that way and the bigger teams don't want to share with the smaller teams and that's why that's kind of built the resentment between the, the big market teams and the small market teams, again, the, the smaller market teams didn't even want the, the luxury tax to increase as much as they did um, so far. So, again, and then that would have to cause the owners to open up their books and uh, to get a fair share of what the revenue is going to go either way. So, like, it's, it's in best, both parties' best interest to not actually have a salary cap because then it would also lead to a salary floor for the for the right. lower revenue teams too and they they're not you know again if they don't if the if bob nutting uh doesn't have to spend money and still make a profit uh, and turn out a dog shit pirate team for the 20th 20th fucking year in a row he's not gonna he's not gonna want to you know he doesn't have to he can it's still true. make he can still make his money and turn out a dog shit team and he's happy and baseball's you know for whatever reason they continue to let him operate the operate in that fashion so it's not in anyone's best interest to to have a cap honestly except for probably like the competitive landscape of the entire league that's that like for fans of that in that regard but but also basically they're the most it's the most competitive uh sports in the country there's been there you know there's the most parity the most parity in baseball but without a salary cap it's weird the way it works though because they're also mixed in with the team that randomly makes it with the $80 million uh, mm-hmm. you know, team salary is typically going up against the Dodgers or the Red Sox or the Yankees 
or some other team that has a two hundred thousand dollar, a two hundred million dollar set team salary, right? So it's like such a weird dichotomy, and what's it what's it makes baseball beautiful, but it also Mm. is incredibly frustrating, right? Like the fact that the Royals even won a World Series uh, in the past ten years is kind of crazy. I guess I guess who? Yeah, ouch! Right here, right in the chest. Mm. I'll wear it. Um, But like, it does breed invention in the game, though, and progress. Yeah. You know, I, now I, we're gonna strip it away and take away the shift. Well, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. yeah like, but it's not like it's not like that. There won't be a new thing in three years. Right? The, the Royals did it. The Rays continue to do it. If yeah. I guarantee you, the Rays are going to be doing something different instead of the shift. It's going to be working, and everyone in baseball is going to get pissed off, and then they're going to adopt it yeah. and mm-hmm. do all the same 100%. thing. I, I could imagine this already when the shift gets banned the next year, like that. All of a sudden, they create a motion shift like on the pitch right mm. it's like a loophole like you can start moving once the pitcher's in his windup or something like that so you'll see a second baseman once the pitcher goes Sprint. into his windup just start sprinting out uh towards first baseline out i think that's outfield. exciting yeah you know we used to do that during batting practice like mm. trying to guess where the ball is going to go um so yeah we'll see what happens with that so let's get back on track here mm-hmm. i was slightly off the rails but on topic as well so back on to let's talk about the mets for a second here so, Alec, I totally understand your point. And I, as a Mets fan, have always operated in that space where I kind of always default to what you said is I'm not going to really feel it until I can see it. I'm not going to believe it until I can see it. And that's how I feel again. I understand that the Mets now have a strong roster and the rotation is probably as good as it's been uh, in five years since they were making those playoff runs um, or playoff run, perhaps, if you will. Um, but last year, we're on this very podcast. We're looking at the preseason rankings. We're looking at the preseason power rankings and et cetera. And they're top five offense. They're top five pitching staff. They're supposed to be a great team. They're one of the top favorites in the NL East. They're a top favorite to win the world series. And it was dog shit. They couldn't hit. They couldn't finish. They could, Oh, actually they actually could kind of finish. Edwin Diaz was decent last year, but they couldn't put it all together when they pitched. Well, they didn't hit when they hit. Well, they didn't pitch. I don't know why. I should sit here with confidence until I see them actually go out and have a winning month and a half for six six weeks of winning baseball and not some fluke crap that happened last year when they were winning games by the skin of their teeth because they were trying hard and had some backups who brought some energy, like Pilar and Villar, right? Like they have a better roster now, but I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Drew, am I being too pessimistic here as a Mets fan? Uh, and, and should I really trust what I'm seeing in the depth chart? I, I I think I think the biggest difference here is that they actually have uh, a a GM who knows what he's I think he knows what he's doing and Billy Epler. And they also have a manager now who can actually instill some confidence and, and bring the clubhouse together and get everyone towards a team like as much as. I don't like Buck Showalter as like a as a person. He was a terrible on the Yes Network and. Um, but you could anytime uh, an organization is like brought him in, like they that's who they kind of want to uh, kind of rally together and, and bring the team together and get them moving forward in one direction. And if they're ready to win, they kind of that Buck Showworth is kind of like the what the White Sox did with Tony LaRusa and got like a calming, uh, experienced manager to, to come in and kind of steer the ship. And so I feel like. A, they've addressed a lot of their needs um, by, you know, getting that top end talent. And two, they have a manager in there who can kind of bring the room together. I mean, that's it, it could all fall apart. You're very you're very right about that, that, um, you know, the Mets could just always just Mets it 
and that's that's a real possibility. But I think I, I now now more than ever that the that this team is going in the actual right direction and should be. And, and if they don't win the division outright this year, it'll be a, an utter disappointment. I also think you have a lot of people coming in who have never played in New York as well. Mm-hmm. Now there's expect that is it. Like I, I know it gets talked about a lot. That's a big thing as a New York sports fan who has seen what is going on with Julius Randall, for example, or Giancarlo Stanton in his, his time with the Yankees. It impacts people. This isn't Oakland anymore. What did they get? Three people from Oakland uh, this year, this off season, or two people from Oakland this off season? Like. That's a big difference when you're playing here. And now the Mets have a target on their back too. And, you know, it's if, if you underperform for a week's stretch, the media is going to hound you. It, it's absolutely going to hound you. I think that that impacted uh, uh, Lindor and, uh, and Baez significantly last year. Uh, and uh, it's going to get in people's heads. I don't think it's going to impact Max Scherzer. I don't think it's going to impact the people like Alonzo or DeGrom who are media darlings and it doesn't matter what they do for a week or two. But like, that's always the biggest thing when it comes to New York. You, you don't know how people are going to react when they're here for a while and they start to underperform. If they're not immediately performing, Fans are going to get on their case and, uh, you know, that could impact things significantly. I just don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what's, what's going to happen there. And, but like it, if you, again, if you look at the moves that they made, Chris Bassett, again, he was a really underrated pitcher. It's not like you're asking him to step in into a role that he's kind of unfamiliar with. He's, he doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't even have to be the number two guy. He's the number three guy, or even at worst, the number four guy. Cause you still have, Taiwan Walker and Carlos Carrasco. So you don't even have to rely on David Peterson or McGill or any of those other guys just said, those are your depth pieces. And those were the guys who they were running out there into the ground last year because they lost all their depth. So I still I, think I don't they know can... that I agree with that though. I, I, I don't, I, and you're not like it's I'm in the minority here, but I, I don't mm. believe in really with the one through five, like, Oh, well there's less, if you're the fifth pitcher and you lose, it's okay. You're the fifth pitcher in the ro- rotation. They're still out there once every five days, and you want to win those games, mm-hmm. right? Like, and 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 I'm again, I'm I'm picking on Chris Bassett, but this is just true for any pitcher in New York, right? If you are the guy that's losing, and you know that, that nobody's going to be happy with you going on. Um, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's like I just don't I don't. You, you you're never going to have five Jacob Degroms, and nobody's ever going to look at you like that. You might look at like, oh, the Yankees have cold today, like that's our stopper if we're on a skid or something like that, but like every pitcher is out there is trying to win that game. They're still mm-hmm. trying to, to do that. So I don't think that, you know, I think that's kind of a, a false narrative and it's not you. I, it's well, kind I, of- I would push back on what you're saying though, Alec, because I was thinking about this the other night as well. Same exact thought that you had. And I thought to myself, but if there's a guy who's three, four, five, who's given up three or four runs, maybe even five runs, but going six, like that's, you know, it, it, it moves the chains, right? It's kind of like, it's, it's literally eating innings. That is the point of that sure. phrase, right? So I do think from an expectation standpoint, you will get less shit as a New York pitcher if you are the 3-4 guy, if you are moving the chains. Now, I'm saying if he's giving up seven runs a game, obviously sure. that's terrible. Yeah. If, he's, if he's lasting three and a third. If he's productive, yeah. If he's productive, sure. <laughs> productive productive average, productive slightly below average even could move the chains and then you know, pick it up because like he, he was, he had really good numbers last year, right? Like his, mm. yeah, he had like a, was an all-star. Yeah. Like yeah. Good yeah. strikeout numbers. Good 
pitched like 160 innings, something like that. So like, like again, yeah. that's what that's what you want from a mid rotation starter. Again, he's not coming. He's not. It's not like you the, the Yankees when they plucked Sonny Gray and said you we need you to be a front of rotation guy. Like he, he can right. blend in, in the background. That's what they got Max Scherzer for. He's their complement to the Grom. Like there's not like obviously you still have to go out there and perform, but there's not that added pressure in there like 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 a Lindor or somebody like that. There's not that spotlight on Bassett. He's just another good piece that they picked up. He's just not expected to be an ace. And I don't think like anyone's expecting him to be an ace. I think just expecting him to be a good pitcher. I think the difference is that New York is different in the fact that mm. everyone is expected to produce at all times. That's the thing. I get it. I get it. Yeah, turn on you. Like, like other, other cities are like that too, but New York is definitely one of the ones. So like Lindor, for example, um, do we expect now for him to hit stride in New York? There were signs of him kind of starting to turn a corner towards the end of last season. It was obviously like too little too late, but is there real reason to expect that he's back to, an all-star caliber, you know, two-way stud? Or is there reason to believe struggles do continue for Lindor? Now two years in a row. Uh, you know, he, he came on a, a down year in Cleveland, and then he, uh, he came here and struggled. So, I mean, I don't know. That's cause for concern. I'm not saying hit the panic button, but, like, watch him. See yeah, his his, his former uh, battery, ma- battery mate, did they say that for second base shortstop? I don't yeah. know. Jose Ramirez forgot how to play baseball for like six months. That was an MVP again. Like, what the yeah. hell? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on with the Cleveland middle infielders, but because <laughs> Ramirez yeah. like couldn't hit. I remember, yeah. I only remember so specifically because I had him in fantasy the year where he just like fell off a cliff mm-hmm. in the second half. And I was like, this guy's my best player. What yeah. happened? He's terrible. He was batting like under 200 all of a sudden. And then last year he was great again. So I don't know. I I'm holding out hope for Lindor. The one thing that makes me feel good about a guy like Lindor is like the other parts of his game never fell apart. Like he still ran the bases hard and well, he still played sick defense. He still smiled a lot. Like (laughs) it it matters, right? Like it actually does matter. I, that's why I have faith, but it could be false faith. Andrew, what, what do you think? No, I think, again, as long as he still is kind of that leader, again, the more time you have in New York, I think the better, again, like even John Carlos Stanton, it took him a little while to get uh, used to New York as well. And, you know, he's thrived in it since, you know, late 2019 and, and, and since then. So, you know, I think only, you know, time will tell, but I feel like, you know, once you get more comfortable in your surroundings and, and again, he was going to a new team and he signed this huge contract and you feel like you have to live up to those expectations. But now, you know, he has a year under his belt. I I, I think it, 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 he couldn't get worse on an offensive standpoint. So I feel like the only way you could go up, those are those are famous last words. But, um, you know, there, I think there's only the only direction for his offensive game to go up. But again, he was still running the bases. He was still stealing bags. He was still playing defense, still had that flair. Um, so, you know, I think the only way, only direction you can go for up is up offensively this year. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of want to throw out the COVID year a little bit because he, he batted 260 last year, 230. Again, if, like Alex said, if it continues, then perhaps it's more than, you know, a flash in a pan. And it's something to be worried about. But, four years in a row all-star before that so uh, regression yeah. to the mean maybe somewhere in the middle well, i think we'll be fine either way let me ask you guys a question before we get back to some yankees thoughts bunch of new pieces obviously for the mets here on offense and i want to ask your guys opinion of who you kind of see playing the biggest role or somebody who you guys just happen to have a soft spot for maybe watching them play in the al against the yankees over the course of the year so you have eduardo escobar you can even throw in robbie cano on the comeback but whatever eduardo escobar um starling Marte. Mark Kana, and I think 
that's pretty much it on all the newcomers. So those three really Escobar, Marte and Marcana. Is anybody jump out to you? Somebody who may, you know, fall into great graces with Mets fans. It's gotta be Marte. I mean, I, that guy, that guy's a rock star. Um, so, you know, but granted <laughs> never played in like a good, good organization before. So again, you never know. I say, I, I don't, I don't appreciate you throwing Robinson Cano under the bus like that. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying he's been here before. He's not really a newcomer. Well, yeah. Well, he's he took off a year, so who who knows what he's going to do as the you know the primary DH for you know right now. Last time uh, we saw him, he was raking. It's because he was juiced up for half. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and, and remember, the MLB wasn't testing uh, for roids while the lockout was going. They weren't allowed to. So. Oh wow. You know, yeah. So um, you know, Robinson Cano could have a, have a pretty good year this year. Who knows? At age thirty nine, at age thirty nine, probably age forty season. The, 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 the same contract from yep. the Masters. He's still got another two years. Holy shit! <laughs> what a dumb contract. I mean, like to yeah. just sign him to forty two years old knowingly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's that was the tough. advent. That was the advent of Yankees doing what they're doing because they they refuse to do that, and that since yeah. then they've been gun shy about signing those contracts. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I mean, like. Lindor's 10 year contract doesn't go till he's 42. Does yeah, it? No, because well, Cano he's signed it. He was, he was, he was already, he was like 31 when he, when he left. So it was like, yeah. he signed like the 10 or 12 year deal. Like, you know, that's, that's what it's going to take you to. And that's what it took to, to get him to Seattle to begin with was that ridiculous contract. So, you know, the Yankees, I think, I remember like the Yankees offered him like eight years and like similar money, but like, then Seattle blew him out of the water. So, you know, and then they ended Did up. Did he with... have to pay back the money from last year? No, he uh he just didn't get paid last year. Yeah. Okay, so he was really like a nine year contract. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's got off <laughs> honestly, the Mets kind of made out of the deal, saved a couple yeah, absolutely, dollars. Ab- absolutely. That and I'm pretty sure that's why he's still on the team now, because if he gets busted for Roids again, he's he's uh banned from baseball because that would be his third offense. So I'm pretty sure that's why they've like not just straight up released him because there's there's the very real possibility that they could just get out from the money that he's uh, that he's owed right now. And he he you know is he a borderline Hall of Famer? I don't know. I don't uh, know. A, he was a, he was a he was a Hall of Famer before he got caught with the steroids, but I think uh, yeah, but now with, case with like testing, does getting yeah. caught mean you're out forever? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. As a told, now we're going yeah. off. We're not going there, yeah. Andrew. Real quick. Escobar, Marte, Kana, any thoughts on any one of those guys? No, Song Marte is going to be great in the in the number two hole behind Nimmo. So I, I think he brings a ton of energy. And again, he's he's in his upper thirties, but like I, he he plays such an, an incredible center field that like um, even at at that kind of advanced age where center field's more of a younger guy's game but he he plays the he's a gold glove center fielder and that's something that they desperately needed and a spark on top of the lineup with you know Nimmo Marte and Lindor the one two three I guess my only my only um problem with that is that like it's not a ton of power at the you know in the top three lineup spots you know you have on base guys and guys that can steal bags but Lindor is your power guy in that three spot and I don't, I'm not sure if that's the best place for him so like honestly I feel like the Mets maybe need to go out and get another bat or maybe hope that Dom Smith rebounds um, so that, that he can be that true number three whole guy. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about Marte. I didn't know Marte was 33. I'm kind of shocked by that. I thought he was yeah. significantly younger. 
Yeah. It's a smile. Uh, smile yeah. tricks you. A young, yeah. that unglowing smile. Who's the, who do you think is the youngest guy in the Mets roster right now, Pete? Um, is it Dom Smith? No, it's actually it's actually uh, oh, it is Dom Smith. But the starter out of the starters, it's Pete Alonso. He's, uh, he's twenty-seven. Not, he was an old rookie too. Yeah, and was just yeah. basically the same age as Lindor. He's just turning twenty-eight, I imagine. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty crazy. But so the way I, I see, like the in my head at least, it breaking down is you get Pete in the four spot, Dom Smith, and then like Kana Escobar. And I guess the catcher, oh, we got a DH now too. Oh my God, it's going to be so fun to see lineups now. It used to be so yeah. annoying to see a lineup for the Mets. Now it's exciting. But that Kana Escobar, like six, seven range feels really good. That mm-hmm. That's something. And I didn't even talk about McNeil and yeah. JD Davis. It feels like they're going to have a, a I, I don't want to say whole list because, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's struggling in a funk, whatever. McCann might not be great. He might be an average catching hitter, uh, hitting catcher but it feels like they're going to have an extremely competent one through nine. And that is extremely exciting. So let's put a bow and, in the middle right now. Oh, yeah, and, go ahead. and it just, uh, you know, even if McCann struggles, you still have your top prospect in uh, Alvarez. I think he's, you know, he's starting the year in double a, he could be knocking on the the door and he's a consensus, like top 20 uh, prospect in all of baseball. So, you know, he could very much be the starting catcher at the end of the year and replacing McCann. So, that's a that's also something to look forward to, uh, for Mets fans. And you're also telling people to maybe uh, draft him in your deep uh, National League only fantasy leagues. No, Drew dropped out. Just me. Yeah. Wow, Drew, you changed, bro. Listen, man, I I didn't want to be a detriment to the league and not be able to commit because again, those guys like they're like super in it, and you know I couldn't like towards like the middle and the end of the year, even though like. I was trying to like as best as I could, but there'd be like days I'd go by and not check the thing. And then like, I'd miss out on someone or like, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't uh, wholeheartedly commit to the league when, you know, obviously add toddler and things yeah. like that. So it's, it's, it's tough. And it, 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 uh, it wasn't an easy decision. I'll just leave it at that. What does that say about me that I can commit to that? <laughs> that you don't have a toddler? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it says. You know, quickly off the rails before we go back to the Yankees. I'm in a fantasy basketball league this year. That The setup is perfect for the baseball season, I think, as well. It's one of the leagues where you kind of draft a, a surplus of people. So I think there's like 20 people. No, that might be too many. 15 or 20 people on my roster, something like that. And you never have to set a lineup. It takes your best four guards, four forwards, and two centers. And then, like, say you had six guards on your roster play, it only takes the top four scores of your guards, and the other two don't count for scores, right? So it kind of makes a balance on how many games you can get for the year and whatever. I think, does there something like that exist for baseball? Because I think that has legs there. Well, here's the thing. My league is run by people, like, in their 60s, so uh, they mm-hmm. don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but <they're laughs> yeah. like, Is that concept r- realistic for baseball? Like, if you... I would love to do that. I hate checking, uh, setting my lineup every day. I hate it. If you just have to draft, like if there's 12, even 10 teams maybe in a league, because it's going to be deep, right? And you just have to draft like two of every position almost or something like that, like six outfielders, but your top four score for you. Mm-hmm. Along, I don't know. There's something there. I might have to look into that and then start it up Subway Sports Talk style. All right. Continuing to oh, the yeah. Yankees. Back on Andrew Kalanya, Alec Argento, Pete Kennedy here, Subway Sports Talk. Hopefully y'all enjoying so far. We're not done yet. I feel like we didn't truly dive in yet to 
what is currently on the Yankees roster. We kind of talked about what isn't on the Yankees roster, and that is the lack of a Correa signing and a Freeman signing or even a Story signing or an Olsen trade or even a Rizzo, whatever. But like Glaber's still there, and there's question marks. DJ's there off a, off a tough year, but you expect to bounce back from him. You know what you're going to get out of Judge when healthy for the most part. I just want to say there's still a really good chance the Yankees are a 90-plus win team. Is that fair? Is that, or is that off base? I don't know. I, I, sorry, I'm just going to jump into this one. But, like, yeah. the Red Sox, I think, are going to regress significantly. I, I don't think the Red Sox are that good of a team. Like, I think that they just they, – they had a crazy year. But, like, the Blue Jays are a good team. The Rays are going to continue to be a good team. The Yankees are starting off at, at, at the best, third-best team in, in, in the uh, division. Not only do they not have things, they also have these weird log jams all over the place. You don't have a real center fielder. I guess it's Aaron Hicks right now, but like you don't want Aaron Hicks to, to be your starting center fielder uh, anymore. He's got nothing left in the tank. You still have you have three corner out- outfielders who are starters. You have Joey Gallo, Giancarlo Stanton, and Judge. And if you're if you're committed to not putting Judge into center field and having uh, Stanton play right, which he excelled when he was playing the field and getting regular reps out there. That's a weird situation out there because then you have first base, which is also a weird log jam because Glaber can't play short anymore. We've acknowledged that he's not playing short. It's done. It's over with. You had Gio who could spell him. He's gone now. You have now LeMay who, who is he going to be our starting first baseman? Is is that what the situation is? Hold on. We got an MLB free agent alert. Mets Ed Adam Adovino official. That's a good signing for the Mets. Um, just another one. Chalk it up. Yeah, uh, I think that was kind of expected. But you you have you have now uh, you have a weird infield because Kiner Falefa is a back is a backup infielder. He should not be a starter, in my opinion. I'm fine with Donaldson. Whatever we've acknowledged that. But now you have two second basemen uh, in in Glaber and DJ. You have. Uh, half of a first baseman in Luke Voigt and you're going to spell like, I don't DJ doesn't play well when he plays first base on offense. I think that was part of the reason he was so mm. crappy last year was that he didn't have a true position. He was bouncing around. He's trying to be good at, at 14 different spots on the field. You also don't have a catcher. You're going to be splitting it with Restolt. Is that his name? Or Rortvelt? I, I, I still haven't gotten the actual pronunciation of the guy's yeah. name. So you're going to be splitting between Higashioka and him. Neither of them are starting caliber uh, catchers. They're both like – they're not even average catchers. They're like bad catchers. Uh, so that, that's that's part of it too. Uh, so like you just don't ha- – and. The, the rotation's great, uh, in my opinion, like where it is. You don't need to do anything to the rotation. You have depth to the rotation right now. You're going to have Herman in, in depth. You're going to have, uh, you know, Clark Schmidt in depth and, and whoever it is now that Severino's back and Tyone seems to have figured it out in the second half of last season, like after he came back from all the surgeries and everything like that. So, like, there's just these weird log jams and all this empty space, and it just there's no indication that they're going to fix it. And they're still so righty heavy. They're oh. still incredibly righty heavy. Josh Donaldson's a righty. I don't know what kind of kind of fluff is because he's never going to get a hit, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, <laughs> you still have Luke Voigt and DJ LeMahieu being your first baseman. You need a lefty first baseman. You need to go get a Freeman or like. Rizzo can't be your only lefty because they don't even have Brett Gardner anymore. I mean, thank God, but like they don't even have Brett I'm Gardner sure, anymore. I'm sure Brett Gardner is going to come back. Like don't, I'll believe Brett Gardner. He'll, he's going to show up in like a week and a half and then be like on a, you know, on like a $4 million deal or something like that. Well, I'll, I'll believe Brett Gardner is not a Yankee until I, I, I actually see it. 
I can't allow that to be said. Uh, you're not wrong, but I just can't allow that to be said. <laughs> it hurts. So, this, this team, this, this offense and the defense is just fundamentally broken right now and does mm-hmm. not fit together. It's like you're putting a puzzle piece, uh, a puzzle together with 16 different puzzle sets. It just doesn't make any sense right now. And you have to think like common sense would say, Hey, okay. There's like six more deals that they're going to make before, before the season starts. But practicality would say, Hey, they're not doing anything that makes sense and haven't done anything that makes sense in mm-hmm. the past three years outside of like so, uh, trading for Gallo and Rizzo, which did make sense at the time, just didn't really work. So, um, and then one more thing to add a facet to that. There's like, if they do sign Rizzo, they then have two starters that are not vaccinated. They cannot go play in Toronto. So mm-hmm. I think political mm-hmm. or anything like that, but we know judge is not vaccinated. We know Rizzo is not vaccinated. So that means that you now have two pet players that can't play what six wow. games in, in Toronto every year. Is that how, how it would be? I feel uh, like more than that. More than that. Like nine, it's I nine. nine, nine or 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. And and the division can be lost with nine or ten games for sure. Absolutely. So I don't I don't know if Donaldson's vaccinated either. So that that adds a wrinkle. He's like an unvaxxed guy. Again, not yeah. to get political, but he just yeah, not not to get political. But yeah, and and you know by signaling that Connor Falefa is kind of the stopgap here, the Yankees are basically saying we're all in on Volpe, and and again Volpe could be great, but you know who's like actually great that you could have just signed for money, Corey Seager, or Trevor Story. Or Simeon, or or uh, Carlos Correa, even like if like you didn't have to make the choice one or the other, like that, and that was the whole point. Like if you want, you're banking basically the shortstop position um, this year and next year on you know on kind of Falefa to just hold down the fort until hopefully Volpe comes up here. And again, he's a he's a I think he got ranked in the top 10 of, of all of baseball. And, you know, he'll probably be the consensus number one prospect at the end of the year, if he has the same year as he did last year, but that's still a ton of pressure to basically just say, you know, and, and and again, I'll never understand that the Yankees will just shy away from just getting a player in his prime that just fits. And then you, you know, the more good players you have, that's, that's a pro that play, up the middle, that's a that's a great problem to have. And they just like said, okay, this is enough. Kind of left is enough. Um, you know, and, and to punt the catcher position, you know, as it currently stands, like only one guy can bat ninth. Do like does Brian Cashman realize that? Because kind of left Aaron Hicks, Rod Rotman Delt, or whatever the fuck his name is, like they they're, those are all those are nine, those are number nine hitters on a team, and only one guy can bat ninth. Like the bottom of your order. And you're and you're depending on the bounce back of Glaber Torres. You're depending on the bounce back of DJ LeMay here. You're depending on Josh Allison, who also is not healthy. Uh, to you know, he's missed. Uh, he's had calf issues since like 20, 20, uh, 2020. He's had calf issues that he's missed like sixty percent of the games that he's played. So like you're you're putting so much of the offense on these bounce back candidates when you could have just solved it by getting like good actual players and that's like it's been the most baffling thing um to me with the way that the Yankees have constructed this roster and again you could see how it could work out Josh Donaldson could um you know he was still hitting the ball hard when he was on the field but you know if it it could happen you know and as long as judge and you know if they figured out the Yankees have figured out the way he judge and stand healthy with the soft tissue injuries so maybe they could do the same with you know Donaldson and that's a if 
Judge, Stanton, Donaldson, and Gallo, if they're all doing well, that's a pretty scary, you know, two through five. But there's just there's just too many question marks for me to be comfortable on where the team stands right now. And if you again, if you go out and you add Freddie Freeman and then you subtract Luke Voigt or um, you know, Glaber Torres or somebody else and you move LeMayhew to second base, like then that maybe simplifies things. But even if you go out and, you know, if what the most realistic scenario is, they're probably just going to go out and uh, not sign Freeman, who's the elite guy, and they'll, you know, they'll pay pennies on the dollar for Rizzo. And somehow this team, who it's, which uh, desperately needed to be more athletic and be able to not be station to station, is, is slower and, and and less athletic than they were last year. So, and and that was a historically unathletic baseball team uh, through and through. So somehow, if they if they once they sign re-sign Anthony Rizzo, this team will be less athletic than they were previously. Can so I ask one question? Go ahead. What signified to you in the past two three years that the Yankees of old are done? To me, it was the it was actually the Sessa trade when they got rid of Sessa. But what do you what, what was it for you? Uh, I I think it was the Adam Adovino trade uh, to let him go to a division rival that that can absolutely exploit your best players. Like a guy like Adam Adovino is not like the pitcher he was in Colorado when he was getting both sides, but the the people he was getting out were right handed hitters, and that's who the Yankees have. And you gave your division rival. For him for free, and you I gave them a prospect on top of it just to take money off the book so you could stay under a fake salary cap. It was the mm. Adam Adovito trade for me, bar none. And it probably it'll go down as you know, it didn't, you know, the Red Sox didn't end up winning the World Series or anything, but like it goes down as like a top three worst moves by Yankees in you know, since I've been watching baseball since 1995. Yanks did smoke out of you know, every time they played him though. Yeah. Listen, uh, Jack has been wanting to watch like old baseball games and this particular that crazy Yankees Red Sox game in Fenway from Sunday Night Baseball where uh, Gallo dropped the ball and uh, DJ dropped the ball in like the same at bat and like five runs scored. And then the Yankees came all the way back. The judge was facing Adovino and uh, he popped out the foul territory and Dahlbeck couldn't catch the ball. And then the the catcher like judge like foul tipped into the glove and uh, the, the catcher, like he was just taking the ball out to like transfer and throw it back to the pitcher. And uh, he dropped it while he was going through in the, and the umpire called and said, Oh, he dropped the foul tip. Judge could still bat. And then judge the next pitch out of, you know, hit like a bases clearing double. Um, but that was like the only time like the Yankees got, uh, got to out that year. I felt, I felt like that it was, it was like, but it was such a huge moment too. But um that that transaction should have never happened. You should you could have literally traded him to any other team and ate the money. And like the the prospect capital to the Yankees had to give up too to get Gallo and Rizzo and those guys. No, nobody that they'll you know maybe actually miss down the line. But um, not being able to just get these guys without you know the other teams absorbing their salaries was just like you know it it was such a and I. Don't, I it was such a dis- it was so, it was it was kind of a shock to say like to say the least that that this is how the Yankees are going to operate moving forward. Yeah, and now it seems like every time there's a decision out of the Yankees front office, it's to Yankee fans' dismay. That's where that's where it's at right now, unfortunately. Right, and I, I'm not 
even trying to be like salty Met fan because I'm nervous as hell. I hate when the Mets fan when when Mets have like serious expectations. I like it better on you guys. And I now have this feeling like everybody in the tri-state is saying, oh, the Mets are going to be a 95-win team. The Yankees are fighting an uphill battle. And that's usually when it goes in the Yankees' favor again anyway. So I'm nervous. So my last question before we say goodbye is a ceiling floor exercise here. Can we do ceiling floor for the Mets and Yankees? Because my estimation and my guess is that the Yankees' room is smaller. Right, like the ceiling maybe not as high right now, but the floor is not as low. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about ceiling floor for the Mets and Yankees? Well, with the with the added um, you know playoff with the added uh, playoff spot now, the Yankees don't really have to actually try ever again. Like they'll always have put just enough on the field to have like an 83, 84, 85 win team, and that's good enough to make to to be the sixth seed in the playoffs. They'll they won't miss the playoffs again for you know. For another 15, 20 years until, uh, you know, the, the next Steinbrenner inherits his money and and ruins the team even further. So uh, as far as ceiling goes, again, the, the ceiling could be they go out and sign Freddie Freeman and trade for a starting pitcher and a catcher. Then the ceiling goes up to, you know, at 100 something wins. But it's currently constructed. I can't see this team right now winning more than like 95 games at best. And the floor, again, there's too much talent on the Yankees for them to the sinking low. So it's probably from 83 wins to 95 wins. Um, and as far as the Mets go, uh, again, it really depends on the health of Scherzer and DeGrom. I feel like their entire season's really, really banking on that. Again, they do have decent depth in the rotation. But again, if you don't have your two aces that are you're expecting to carry you throughout throughout um, throughout the whole season, um, that's no, that's no good. So if the, the Grom and shows are hurt and they have to, you know, deep down into the depths of the minor leagues, you know, what, what, what was their record last year? The 70, 77, 77. wins. Yep. Probably, probably like 80 wins, you know, 77, that's 80 not- wins is probably like the, the, the floor of the team. But again, if, right. if Scherzer and the Grom are healthy and they're, they're, pitching amazing and you know the 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 depth moves that they made offensively you're going and they have a much improved bullpen now like that the the ceiling is as high as any team in in the national league uh, you know they'll be right up there with the dodgers at like 100 wins and 100 wins plus yeah you know i think that I'm, I'm with you on the floor of the mets i feel like by accident they're a few games better than last year and that gets them to like just about 500 um, and that's, that should be by accident. They should be better than last year, but I do think their floor is missing the playoffs still and being like an 80, 81 win team. Uh, and that's not, that's not very nice, but the ceiling on the other hand is to be a 94 win team, 95 win team. I don't think they have a hundred win season in them, but never say never with Scherzer and DeGrom. If they are healthy, then you have two amazing goats level pitchers right so i think that's the best one two in baseball man it's the best one two in baseball currently as it stands right now like they have this is gonna sound hyperbolic but it really isn't they have a chance to be the best one two punch in the history of baseball like right Mm -hmm. they the way those two people have pitched in their primes which are the last like four seasons Mm -hmm. if they string those together they can put together the best one two punch of all time is that alec i see a lot of head bobbing over there is that crazy 
I, I don't know. I, just saying I, technically, I, like they've both done, like if you take one of their seasons out of the last yeah, three years, I, that would make sense. Sure. I, I, I just, if they're both healthy, I just think it's kind of an impossibility. To, it's like w- w- with the Knicks with like, okay, well, if, if Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose are both healthy, it'll be a really good point guard bat, like uh, tandem, but like neither ended up being healthy, you know? <laughs> so I, 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 Jacob DeGrom would have won a Cy Young last year, but he didn't because yeah. he was hurt. Max Scherzer's been excellent. I just, I, I think like there's been a lot of really good one, two tandems in a 150 year old sport, you know? Oh, I, yeah. You know, I'm just saying they have the I mean, ability they, to be that. They are by, by far the best one, two punch in baseball right now. Yeah. Of all time. Oh, yeah. World of ifs. A hundred percent. It's possible, though. Yeah. Uh, that, like, that Mets fan height that I think is a little dangerous, my friend. <laughs> very fair. Very fair. I mean, I, I didn't like that's why I said their their true ceiling is. Like, my, biggest, my biggest thing with the Mets is like they didn't add a lot of super, super impactful players this year. Like Starling Marte is very impactful. He could be. He could also, you know, get. Uh, he tested positive for steroids. It was out for a year too, right? If I'm like, what, three years ago, something like that. He's mm-hmm. a kind of a problematic guy. I don't, not really worried about it. I'm just throwing that out there. But like Mark Ken is a good player. He's not, he's not great. He's, 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 he's good. He's a good player. He's not, he's not a difference maker. He's a guy that's like, if you needed help in that position and, and he's there, then yeah, he helps. I mean, Chris Bassett's a good player. He, I don't think like Chris Bassett had the best year of his career. Historically, he's not been that kind of pitcher. I, I just, I think that their ceiling, sure, their ceiling, if everything breaks right, could be a 105-win team, sure. But their floor is the Mets floor from last year, I, 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 and which I, they're going to make the playoffs because of the new expanded playoffs. But, like, they're, they're, they, have, they have a very wide – when you're adding that many people, this is, this is, it's an entirely different team than it was last year. They added, like, what, eight people, eight new people this year, like that are, uh, that are starters or, or uh, high-leverage relievers or whatever the yeah. case is. That's a that's a huge difference, and there, there's a huge variance. They could be in a 78 game uh, winning team this year. They could be a 105 game winning uh, team. So I just don't really know. My head tells me don't bet on the Mets. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the Yankees, I think, are similar on their floor. I actually think the Yankees have a higher floor. Yeah, I agree. I think the Yankees are like mm. an 82-83 game four. I think that's what Drew said. But yeah. I think their ceiling is significantly lower. I think their ceiling is like a 95-win team at if everything breaks right. Um, I just think that they're a flawed team deeply. And I I think 95 is even like pushing it. I'd say they're probably mm. 92-91 team uh, game-winning uh, team this year. And that you think that's like a third-place team right now? That ceiling is a third-place team in the AL East? Yeah, I don't think the Red Sox are going to be that good this year. What I think. The, what about the Rays? Yeah, I think the Rays and the and the and the, yeah, the Blue, Blue Jays, Jays one or two. Yeah, I, I think I don't think the Blue Jays are going to win the division. I don't think they're that type of team. I don't think their pitching is as good as people make it out to be. I think I, I just don't. And their offense is also very flawed too. Like people like to talk about how they have Vlad Guerrero. Like they don't really have a ton of offense on that team anymore. Like mm-hmm. having Vigio had a crappy year. Boba shit had a, had a down year. Boba shit. Boba, Boba Fett. Boba mm-hmm. shit had a <laughs> down year. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think that their offense outside of Vladdy is, is like phenomenal as people make them out to be. Mm-hmm. Also, these players, for the most part, have never played in Roger Center. So uh, who knows how they're going to play there? You know, I mean, that's another uh, wacky thing because they played in Buffalo for the past two years. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I But I do think they're better than the Yankees. Uh, I think that they're just uh, – I think that the, and the Rays, no matter who they have on the roster, 
they'll make it work. Uh, I remember last year on, around the same time, Drew was saying like they 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 lost uh, they lost so many players. They they traded X Y Z and uh, like like Tommy Pham or something like that was off the team and and. Yeah. He, and then it just turns out that the Rays are the Rays, and it doesn't matter yep. who they have on their roster. They're going to put the right people in the right position. They're going to make G-Man Choi a, a legitimate starter and stuff like yeah. that. It is what it is with the Rays, and you just got to accept that. But I do think the Yankees like, Randy and Rosarena had a pretty good year too. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I do think the Yankees. I do think the Yankees on paper are a better team than the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox had kind of the magic last year for a lot of the periods of the time, and the Yankees also got out to a horrible start. And we've seen with the Yankees that if you go get out to a horrible start, they cannot come back from that. They can play well for the rest of the year uh, and they weren't consistent. They would have the best uh, team in the league for a month and they'd have the worst team in the league for a month and they have the best team. So I don't know. I, I think they, I, I think that there's a lot of players that you can't count on everyone. Continue. Like there were so many players that had down years on the Yankees that some of them are going to get better. I don't think DJ. I'm not worried about DJ. I think that if he finds, uh, he, he's he's always been a, a, an incredible hitter his entire career. Um, Glaber, you could be worried about Glaber. I, I get it, but like he could also have a, a bounce back year. Joey Gallo was doing awesome before he came to the Yankees. Joey for like the past uh, the prior two years. So I don't know. I, I I think that I think that the Yankees will be better. The, the Yankees that underperformed last year as a whole will be better than they were last year. Mm-hmm. But, you, I, 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 you, you need to add a catcher. You need to add a shortstop, and you need to figure out your first base situation. Absolutely, and I think the uh, to to kind of just wrap up the the whole situation to kind of bring it back to the Mets a little bit. Like, even like what this offseason has kind of shown us is that even if the Mets are struggling, um, and and need to add a piece they'll go out and actually get the piece that they need to, to, to fix it. And I'm not as confident in the Yankees ability to go out and get that piece um, without jumping, having to jump through six hoops first without having the team at the pay down the, the, you know, the amount or they'll probably not want to exceed that $60 million because they have to go over the, they're over the luxury tax right now with the Donaldson edition. So how much over are they going to, are they exceed the second threshold, the third threshold? You know, you know, are they going to go up to the Cohen numbers? Are they going to get to 290? Which, you know, I, I don't think so. So, you know, again, there's there's a limit there with the with the Mets. There doesn't seem to be a limit because, you know, their owner actually wants to win and actually likes baseball. Yeah. And for, for what it's worth, the, on DraftKings right now, you got the Yankees at 92 and a half over under. The Mets at 89 and a half over under. Obviously, part of that is because... The Yankees, everyone's just going to – more people are going to just bet they're over blindly. There's mm. more fans for the Yankees than any team in the league. Uh, but that's a big difference to me. I said this uh, on the fan uh, overnight going into Sunday morning, and uh, we were talking about that, and I was like, you know, you can you can cite the fact that, yeah, more people are going to bet on the Yankees. They're going to juice it up. So people bet the over and Vegas wins. But three games is a big difference, right? Like for the Yankees to be 92-and-a-half, Mets be 89-and-a-half, that's not a, it's not that small. I know it seems small, but – it's kind of a lot. Um, as far as World Series odds, Yankees have the second highest World Series odds uh, at plus 900, and the Mets have the fourth at plus 1,000. So Vegas is expecting a good year for New York baseball. Maybe they're just trying to steal our, all our money. Who's to say? But that's all we got. Good stuff. Yeah. Any oh, last yeah. words, fellas? Alec, Andrew, anything to say as you say goodbye? Go out and sign Freddie Freeman, Brian Cashman, please. I know you're listening to this podcast. You're a yeah. dedicated listener. 
and I appreciate your viewership. But please just go out inside Freddie Freeman. Thank you and good night. I got nothing. Sports suck. Yankees, Knicks, and Giants all blow. You might like this though, Al. I love it. I, I don't know where you got it, but it's awesome. It's a great founded on the golf course. All, all right. right. Final words are if you haven't played Pokemon Legends Ar Arceus on Switch, it's the best Pokemon game that they've ever made. It's so much Wow. Fun. Wow. I might have to give you this little golf ball, this pokey golf ball. That's a golf ball? This is a golf ball. Legit, legit golf ball. Oh, ah, cool. cool yeah, there you go. Uh, my last words are we have a fantastic college basketball March Madness preview to be recorded on Wednesday night, to be released most likely on Thursday morning. Uh, so go out there on the Apple Podcast apps and the Spotify's and subscribe. Drop five stars, review if possible, and then also go to YouTube and subscribe you know, hit the notifications, watch the videos, drop a comment, what you're thinking on said videos. Cause we appreciate you trying to grow those subscribers up on, uh, on the YouTube channel. Some nice people been following there. So, uh, we're gonna keep this thing going. We're close to baseball season. You might catch the three of us at a game. You know, we, we might have to post that when we're going to a game, maybe we'll run into some people out there. Should be oh, fun. Yeah. Subway sports talk. Y'all Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento, Andrew Kalanya. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later in the week, March madness, baseball, basketball, NFL draft reading. Say what a time to be alive in the world of sports. Cheers, y'all. See you.